This title slide is really what it's all about. Remember and follow the Lord in faith. Remember and follow the Lord in faith. Let me begin this way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Back in December, my 28-year-old bride, <clears throat> well, my young bride, and I were privileged to celebrate our 50th anniversary together. And a small group in the middle of COVID and all of that came together to say, thank you, Lord, and to remember how the Lord had led us and brought us together at Dort College and kept us together through all the years. And I told a story that has since then taken on a life of its own, really. Let me ask you a question, and if you know the answer or have heard of the word quinky-dink, raise your hand. Have you ever heard the word quinky-dink? You know what a quinky-dink is? One, come on, hold it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, I think. Quinky-dink. The first time that I was at my wife's parents' home when we were still going together, her younger siblings were at the table working on some school assignment, and they, I don't know if it was a vocabulary or spelling or whatever it was, they were in elementary school. And it was like, they were talking about quinky-dink. And I go, quinky-dink? Quinky-dink? Yes. C-O-I-N-C-I-D-E-N-C-E. Quinky-dink. They had substituted a K sound for the C. Quinky-dink. Coincidence. So we talked about that, how, at our anniversary, how, as God's people, there is no quinky-dink, no coincidence, how when we follow the Lord, He leads, and nothing surprises the Lord. And if we follow Him, there may be things that to us, just seem like, wow, how did that happen, Lord? The point here, though, is that we are called to remember the way the Lord has led us and to follow the Lord in faith. To remember what? To remember why? But there are things I want to forget, because there are times when I know I've grieved the Lord. What do I, why do I want to remember the key words here in chapter 8, to remember, don't forget, to observe, not just to observe with your eyes, but to obey, really, to obey the Lord. For the Lord would humble us and remove from us pride. Verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble and to test you. Remember. You know what an imperative is? It's like a stop sign saying, stop! It's not a suggestion. We had a missionary from Ukraine stay in our home for a while. And 
This was years ago. And she was asking, why are these people honking at me whenever I drive through a stop sign? Huh? (laughs) Back in Ukraine, stop signs are, for them, like yield signs are for us. So if there's nobody real close, you can just go. So she was just driving on through. Stop sign is not a suggestion. It's a stop. It's an imperative. It's a command. And so God says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert. All the way. To humble you and to test you. One question that comes to mind for me is, what does your desert look like? What did your desert look like? For some of us, it's been broken relationships, or searching, or health struggles, or addiction. Wondering, why am I alive even? The Lord sometimes brings us through the desert to humble us and to test us. And we say, why that way? Often in life, we want to go from here to here. A to B, zoom. But the Lord brings us, we would say, around the block, the long way. Why? Because the Lord's way is the best way. Not always the easiest way or the shortest way. To test us, to humble us. Somebody once said, in some ways, the Lord leads us through difficult times to see if our paper theology has any real practical meaning in our lives. And there are times when we fall short, each of us, all of us. You've heard of Martin Luther. Here I stand, I can do no other. He stood before the Catholic judgment court. And yet there were times in his life when he struggled. And one day the story is told that his wife, Katie, dressed in black. And he came home and he said, who died? And his wife was known to be a sharp-tongued woman, let's put it that way. And she had said then, according to the story, Martin, all I can conclude is that you have been so down and depressed that God must have died. As if poking him and reminding him God is still on the throne in spite of all the brokenness and the stuff we have to put up with. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert to humble you and to test you. But sin makes us focus on what we want now, what we don't have, not how the Lord is leading and has led. Remember in the garden of Eden where the snake Satan came to Eve and said, essentially, forget what God has given and concentrate on what you don't have and what you really want. That'll be the way of happiness. Sin makes us forget that, the Lord's goodness, and the ways that he has been with us and is with us and has blessed us. This failure to remember how the Lord has led us robs us of gratitude and contentment, and leads us into covetousness. Verse 3. He humbled you 
God did, causing you to hunger, causing us to hunger, and feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. Why? To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. We are spiritual beings, you and I. Our bodies eventually give out. But we are eternal beings at a certain level here. How that is, I don't fully understand that the Lord holds us and that one day my body will give out and I will be gone. But by God's grace and his promises, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, I will be with him for all eternity. We are spiritual beings and so why do we lust after, yearn after, bigger this, more that, newer, whatever. This last end of January, into February, my wife and I did, I was going to say that for the first time, we made an old people trip to Florida. But it was partly to be with my sister who has cancer and to help her. But on the way down, we stopped in South Carolina, Hilton Head, South Carolina, near Savannah, Georgia, where my brother Rodney had gone missing in 1996. He was on a work boat off the shore about a mile, he and four others, and a storm came up. And after the storm, they found four bodies. But they never did find my brother Rod. And that was in 1996. And we had often spoken about going to Hilton Head and walking on that beach where Rod was, Rod had died and the others, less than a mile away, as far as we can tell. And so we got there the end of January, and it was cold, and we were walking on the beach, my wife and I. And being a couple of Midwesterners, my wife says to me, looking at, at the tide, is the tide going out or is it coming in? And I go, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the guy behind us will know. He was walking his dog, maybe, I don't know, 20 feet behind us. <clears throat> so I stopped and said, hey, excuse me, I have a question. And I asked him about the tide. He said, oh, it's coming in, I think he said. I was like, oh, Okay. And we just started walking and talking. We talked. I don't know how long until it was getting dark. We walked down and then turned around and walked back. No quinky dinks in life. His name was John, is John, from Ontario, Canada. He had sold his business a few years ago for mega money. And his wife and he were down there like they did most winters, but the, now the first time in a couple of years because of COVID. And we talked about bicycling and swimming and, and life, just walking together. And he said something that, that rang my bell. 
And it wasn't that man does not live by bread alone, but there was a, he just pointed out an emptiness in his own life with all the stuff. And after pushing this or that when he's swimming, and he did several triathlons, swimming, bike, and running, he said, why? Sometimes I just ask myself, why? And he and I were of similar, similar age, and I said to him, John, remember the, remember the old movie when we were in college? The movie entitled Elfie? And there was a song about that. And the song was, well, the quick stories of, of a young man whose thing in life was to get in bed with every, every gal. And towards the end of the movie, after lots of hilarious escapades and some narrow escapes, but again began to become more and more serious. Near the end of the movie, he's looking at the river, the swift flowing river. He and his dog, wondering. And then the song comes up. As this gal whom he'd gotten pregnant was coming out of the cathedral, with her husband and the baby who was just baptized. And the song comes up, and John and I sang it together. What's it all about, Alfie? Is it just for the moment we live? What's it all about when you sort it out, Alfie? And he said, yes. And we walked. And we talked, and I spoke about my brother Rod, and how even though we grieve and continue to grieve at some level, how we find hope in the fact that Rod loved the Lord, and he's with the Lord now. And we will be, by God's grace, through faith in Christ. And he looked at me and just, almost as if to say, if only... And so we pray often for John. And I'd said, John, it is no quinky dink that we are on this beach at this time, at this moment, and you are walking a few feet behind us. But when we follow the Lord's way, we are where we are by his call, by his goodness. And so how are we called to respond? Verse 6. We are called to observe, to obey the commands of the Lord, walking in His ways and revering Him. And from verse 1. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. What happens when we observe the commands, obey or don't? Do you remember that Moses did not enter into the promised land, even though God had used him to lead the people? Why? You remember that two times God had provided water from the rock. The first time, recorded in Exodus chapter 17, God told Moses, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And Moses did. 
And God provided water for the people, sweet, plenteous water. And now, how many years later, you'd think he would have learned. But God said, as recorded in Numbers chapter 20, God told Moses, speak to the rock before their eyes, before the people's eyes, and the water will pour out of the rock. And Moses then, standing before the people, said what? Must we bring water out of this rock? And he struck the rock two times. He and Aaron were standing there. Must we bring water out? Failing to acknowledge that it was God who had done it from the beginning to the end. And this one who had so faithfully followed the Lord, the Lord finally said, no. You will not enter this land. And that's sobering for me, for you, for all of us, especially in leadership. For we are called to obey the Lord and to follow his way, not our own. Verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, do what? Praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, failing to observe, to obey his commands, his laws and decrees that I'm giving you this day. The first result of remembering what? To praise the Lord. Verse 12. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When we're proud, we begin to think, I can do it, I did it, I will do it. And the focus becomes on us and not on the Lord. The second, first result is to praise the Lord. The second is to Thank the Lord. You may remember from Romans 1, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, and their pride led to destruction. Verse 15. He, that is God, not the human leaders, he led you through the vast and dreadful desert. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. In a world of fathers like some of us who are broken and flawed, there is one good, good father, and that is God. Verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers. Remember that on the way home there may be somebody who will cross the lane even on the back road. And you and I will breathe our last. Remember, we are not strong. 
but it is God who leads and holds us. And so that third result is to point us towards depending on the Lord and his goodness. And the fourth result, to love God more than the gifts that he gives. All of this, not out of threat, but out of remembering his goodness. And also verse 19, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, you will surely be destroyed. And all of this is what? It is simply the reminder, in truth, that God is God and I am not, that we are not, but that he is the good, good father and calls us to remember and to follow him in faith. <clears throat> and so what's this mean for you? I can't give you an assignment, we're not in school, but I would suggest and request that you do something over, over lunch today, or maybe supper. Or if you're alone, that you call somebody. And here's what I'm going to ask. Is that you, number one, think of and tell one memory of this past year in which you remember especially the Lord's goodness. A second, that you think of at least one thing that you've learned or, as I often say, that I'm relearning because sometimes things don't stick and I do need to relearn things. So one thing you're especially thankful to God for of his, in his memory that you remember and one thing that you're learning or have relearned. And third, a sobering question. If you knew your time on earth was drawing to a close. If you had a month or a week to live, what would you say, what would you write if you could to your friends, to your children, to your grandchildren? What would be the last words that you would want them to remember? <clears throat> Some years ago, I had asked that last question to myself, and I'd written a letter to our kids, to our children. The Lord has given us five kids and now 14 grandchildren, over half of whom are adopted, the grandchildren, that is. I'll read just only part of it. On Father's Day, I'd encouraged people to write a letter to their children, nephews, nieces, grandkids, reflecting on what they've learned about life and the Lord. And in this, I want to lead by example. The truth is that we're here and then we're not, each of us, all of us. Death comes sometimes without warning. So I wanted to put on paper what I had hoped to say if we were all around the table together one last time. And there's another reason. Some of you also, speaking of our kids, are afflicted with it. I've got the, the Meyer memory. It's a lot like Velcro. Some things stick, some things just don't. That's why I often write things down and often say, reminders are good, as long as they come without an attitude. This won't be a short letter. You're not surprised, I know. Oh, well. Anyway, and then I went on. 
You know that I deeply love the Lord and your mom and you and the church. Loving deeply isn't hard. Loving wisely is the tough part for me. When you were young, and even now, I found balancing ministry and family to be difficult. I apologize to you and to the Lord that I've not done better. Please pray for me that I may love more wisely. And even now, when I'm old enough to know better, I need God's forgiveness. Yet in Jesus Christ, I am loved, saved by his amazing grace through faith, loved, forgiven, restored. Years ago, I had heard a mother say angrily to her young child, If you do that again, I won't love you. If you do that again, I won't love you. What a terrible wound for that child to bear, for any child, for that mother. I still grieve. And so, as one who has tasted firsthand of God's rich grace, I say to you again, as we often said almost every night when we tucked you in bed and said your prayers, sweet dreams, good night. I love you, and I always will, no matter what. With all my heart, unconditionally, always, forever. Remember, remember how the Lord has led you all the way. Remember, don't forget, and follow the Lord in faith. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we remember so many things of your leading, of our own faithlessness of our stumbles, of how we have grieved you. So we lay this before you now, asking your forgiveness and asking that you would, as the good, good Father, pick us up and hug us and encourage us and tell us to go and leave our lives of sin, to go and sin no more. And so we thank you, Lord, for the reminder of this worship service, of your goodness, of your grace, of your stern call, and of your arms around us. We thank you and pray that we may remember and follow you, trusting you. In Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, amen.